they're going to be on our roster, but they need to compete. Um, nothing's going to be given to any player at any time. I mean, obviously some players earn, you know, like Bobby has earned the right for us to sit here today and say he's our shortstop. <laughs> there are players right now that haven't earned that. So, and, and I think the level of patience that we've shown, the opportunity we've given guys uh, is adequate, but we need to think, start thinking more about what do we need to do uh, to enhance this roster and not be as cognizant of who's on the roster right now. And if we can get better, we're going to get better. And that's ultimately the goal of our front office. Welcome to the Royals Rundown podcast presented by Royals Review. If you want to keep updated on all things Kansas City Royals, please go visit RoyalsReview.com. You can also support them further by following them on Twitter and on Facebook. Plus, if you're on Twitter, you might as well follow us. You can follow us at Royal Rundown Pod. Plus, if you want to see, see some of the best humor from Kansas City Royals content creators, you can follow us on TikTok at the same username at Royal Rundown Pod. Or if that's too much, we got a link tree on our Twitter that you can find all the necessary links that you need to keep up with whatever we're doing, whenever we're doing it. So as you all know by now, if you want to keep the conversation going, if you want to make your thoughts known, we we love that, whether it be social media. But honestly, if you want to get on the show, you got to do it through Spotify. You can respond to our polls and questions and answers there. Plus, if you respond to the Q&A, we will read your response on air in the following episode. So in the last episode that we dropped on Monday morning, we asked, what is the most impressive part about Bobby Witt Jr.'s 2023 to you? Because there, were, there was a lot, there were a lot of things you could choose from there. Uh, longtime listener Aaron Bailey said, steals and then the power. His home runs this year have been surprising. I do. I do agree. Um, we all knew that he had the tools. It was, I don't think we were expecting to see the production this quickly, uh, but I'm always, I'm just speaking for myself. Let's uh, let's let another person get their thoughts in. He is the better half of this podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Hakaius. That is H-O-K-I-U-S. He is Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how are we doing tonight, man? I, you know, uh, I'm sans one gnarly toenail, oh so I'm, I'm in a little pain. But uh, I'm on the way. I'm on the mend. You know, everybody in the offseason, you get your surgery, you get right uh, physically. So that's what I'm up to right now. And we're going to we're going to be good. <laughs> All I'll right, be good to well, go for spring training. I promise I'll be ready. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. We, we were concerned about that. We know that there's going to be a big position battle at first base, and we want you to be in the thick of that. OK, oh, see, first base is the position I cannot play. Who's <laughs> the second baseman for sure? Oh, man. All right. All right. And hey, as uh, as she has been for the past few episodes, my lovely wife, Honey, is joining the podcast as as a uh, perm is probably going to be the usual moving forward. Um, we, we we love having her on. And Jeremy, you uh, you said that she turned you around on what now uh, on the, the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey stuff. I think I mentioned this during the episode, but like I was I was getting to the point where I was a little cranky about it. I was siding with the old dudes you know the old old guys <laughs> that just like don't like anything and then as katie was was you know extolling extolling that's the word i'm looking for extolling the virtues of the pairing i was i realized why should i be cranky about this i should enjoy it have fun 
and and let's do it um so the, i am now fully on board the the taylor swift travis kelsey train i uh i tried to listen to some folklore this week uh with one of her albums <laughs> wasn't really my style but uh i got a couple recommendations for other albums i might try um because i prefer the more upbeat stuff i okay honestly I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a Swifty. I am so derailing us so badly right now, but you asked for this. Um, That's true. Hey, hold but, on. Kate, Kate would like to get her thoughts and she was uh, giving you some more album suggestions, I believe. Oh, okay. If you like Upbeat, you need to start with 1989 or Lover. And okay. if nothing else, we're going into cuffing season and more girls are going to sit through boy or sit through football games with their boyfriends and show an interest in things their boyfriends are interested in, and vice versa with Taylor Swift. So it will create more bonding, and the NFL will have more people watching. You're welcome. <laughs> she ain't wrong, though. No, she's she, not wrong at all. No, she is not. All right, well, hey, we are We're going to get into the episode here in a second. Uh, I promise we will talk about Zach Greinke because usually we record on Sunday nights. However, this past week with everything going on, we recorded on Sunday morning. So we were not able to react to Greinke's uh, start in Kauffman Stadium. And we will uh, set the table for our offseason plans. But first, uh, we we got a doozy of a reaction to the Royals end of season press conference. It was uh, It was interesting to say the least. But before we actually, you know what? Screw the screw the sponsors. So I am um, <laughs> no sponsors for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, so I will give give everyone a, a peek behind the curtain here. So we don't I don't know if you know this, but we don't make a lot of money doing just podcasts. Do we it's make do we make money? Any money? <laughs> oh, oh, um, um, <laughs> going to end this call real quick. Uh, oh, <laughs> No, I'm just but, here for uh, the pop tarts. That's a and, deep uh, cut for you old Royals review heads. Oof. Yeah, I was about to say I don't even know that one. Good lord, is that is that why you were on the on the podcast before, Jeremy? Yeah, pop tarts, yeah. absolutely. Hell yeah. Um, we don't we, we don't make a whole lot of money doing this. We whatever money we make is just like a few a few dollars every um podcast episode. And Spotify, we are, that's why we use Spotify. That's why we plug it so much is because Spotify hosts the podcast and they not only doubled, but they tripled the threshold that you have to reach for just Spotify listeners to, um, you know, to qualify for ads and stuff like that. And I'm sure they'll put them at the beginning and the end of the episode, but I, I control what goes on in, in this episode. So we are uh, we are just fine. We're going to keep on moving without the sponsors because I uh, if I don't want to put people through ads just for the sake of putting them through ads. Oh, but I no. guess that would, That's, that would be cruel and unusual punishment that it would that it would. All right, Jeremy. So let's go ahead and um, just update the listeners on what we plan on doing this off season. So as of right now, we are recording this on October 4th. The season is over. Uh, definitely most baseball stuff has moved on because you know the, the Royals are never sniffing the postseason. We're just we're just here watching it at home. Um we we are still planning right now that we are going to put out two episodes every week, still on the Monday and Thursday. If 
if we figure out a better day or something like that, I doubt we will. Uh, we will let you all know that, but we are not going to disappear. We're not going to take down our show load. As of right now, we will get into some of the season in review stuff later on this month. Um, I think, I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say later on this month. I think we'll probably pick it up after a couple episodes, you know, wrap, wrap some bows on stuff and, uh, and just keep it moving. But let's see, Jeremy. And did I forget anything on the offseason plans? Uh, you forgot that uh, you promised to eat a ghost pepper uh, live on what? TikTok. What? I did. Yeah. Uh, oh my you God. actually promised to eat five, but I was like, dude, that's too many. So I talked you down <laughs> to one. I thought that was very kind of me. I'll, I'll be waiting on the waiver that I need to sign, Jeremy. Okay, I'll be, <laughs> be waiting on that at my mailing address, which good luck. I just I'm up at school in Maryland, so <laughs> it's not my normal address. I bet Katie will help me. Gosh, dang it. She wouldn't rat <laughs> on me, would she? Oh, no, nope, she's shaking her head. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that was great. I love it. All right. So now that that is out of the way, um, let's go ahead and talk about this postseason press conference, Jeremy, because I want to I want to make a couple of things clear about this. Number one, this is something that usually happens. Okay, it was it was a little it was a little strange last. I think I think people had bigger expectations this year because of what happened at the post season stuff last year like as press conferences happened with these parties it was a new manager or it was announcing that Mike Matheny would not return or it was Dayton Moore is gone things like that um this was this was just JJ Piccolo and Matt Cotrero sitting down with media getting their thoughts out on the season and then answering some of the questions. It's it's about 40 minutes long. I would if if you are a big Royals fan, if you want to hear some of the things that are going on in the minds of the front office leadership, I would suggest going and listening to it in in its entirety. And I know Jeremy's going to talk about this more later on as well. But it happened on Tuesday. We've had almost 2 days to digest it and look through it. Before I give my thoughts, Jeremy, I would like to hear yours. What did you think of this press conference and what were were some of your key takeaways from it? So the first thing I want to do is just kind of advise people on how to watch a press conference. And I do mean you should watch it. Um, This is something I don't think I really fully understood until this year. Um, which shame on me because I've been doing this whole writing gig for seven years now. Um, but I still got to learn every time, every year, right? Keep learning. Don't, don't ever quit. Um, but you really got to watch them because if you just read the quotes, first of all, you're not going to get everything. You're just going to get the juiciest tidbits. And second of all, there is so much that's kind of, uh, uh, between the lines. A lot of the answers that you're going to get, uh, to questions are going to be very boilerplate, very cliche. And that's for good reason. They don't want to offer up, uh, you know, they don't want to give anything away and they don't want to set any bulletin board material. They don't want to be like, yeah, 
uh, actually, our, you know, uh, so-and-so is the worst player of all time and we can't wait to get rid of him. Like they, they want to, they want to keep things pretty civil, but when you watch it, um, you can, you can get hints through, uh, their body language. And especially for me, what I look for is little, little slips of the tongue or little subtle things that they can say, um, that you can kind of infer from. Now, the problem with this is that you are reading between the lines is naturally, uh, an inexact science. It's more of an art than a science. And so you're not going to be 100% right. And you won't have, you won't be able to be like, yes, this is 100% definitive proof. You absolutely said this. So, uh, your mileage may vary. That's why you should absolutely check it out yourself instead of just listening to uh, what Jacob and I have to say. But I think we do have uh, probably some interesting observations. So with that out of the way, let me go ahead and uh, get into uh, these notes that I took here. Um, the first thing I noticed is that he basically kind of said the infield is set, which I get makes sense in comparison to how unset the outfield, uh, the starting pitching and the bullpen are. Um, but at the same time, you've got five guys there, right? At least because you've got Vinny Pasquantino, you've got Michael Massey, Bobby Witt Jr., Michael Garcia. Uh, they got the majority of the sna uh, snaps. What, what sport am I playing? Uh, majority of the starts, except for Pasquantino was hurt. Um, and and then, but, you know, Pasquantino was hurt. Michael Garcia had some big struggles as the season went on and didn't really show a lot of power. Uh, Bobby Witt, obviously, is Bobby Witt. He's he's your guy. He's the guy. That's the guy you're going with. And and Piccolo, that was like he said, we can't. We want competition, and, and you got to earn your spot. But yeah, Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be the shortstop. He's earned that, and he's right. He has. Um, obviously, Michael Massey was very up and down, and then you had Nick Lofton who came in late in the year, had a really nice showing. Um, so you would expect him to be able to compete for a spot too. Um, but it, it was interesting to me that you know okay, these guys were not probably missing with them much. And yet you got to, you can't replace, as I've said before, you can't turn over the entire lineup, the entire yeah. roster. You've got to keep some of these guys. And so if you're going to keep one position group, then the infield probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I did think it was interesting that he, he flat out admitted they needed help in the outfield and starting pitching and bullpen. So uh, they actually did evaluate some stuff and go, Hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. this isn't necessarily, we, we can't just keep doing this. Um, and a lot of actually what he said led me to the conclusion that they are probably going to be pretty dang active this off season, whether in free agency or trade, because he admits he wants to fill holes in all three of those position groups. And you're right. not going to do it just by promoting guys. And, and I think he knows that he also spent a little bit of time talking about how this team is mostly, uh, homegrown right now. And mostly homegrown teams don't make the playoffs very often. Uh, you're going to have to fill in holes. And so when he says that, that says to me that unlike what Dayton Moore did, which Dayton Moore was like, no, I can definitely build this roster entirely with homegrown guys. It's going to work. Um, JJ Piccolo is like, no, I'm going to have to go out and get guys. And it's we're going to have to do it. Like we're yeah. not, it, it's going to have to happen. Um, so I think we might be looking at an active offseason. I know other people have kind of predicted that because of the whole, stadium thing and i said well i don't know they haven't done a lot of smart stuff around the stadium thing so i wouldn't hold your breath on that but the way he was talking didn't make me think uh that they really do want to go out there and get some guys i also found it interesting the way he talked about that outfield he mentioned oh, yeah. kyle isbell as a guy who can play center field he played it very well he thought um so he kind of passed that test and he talked about how much nelson velasquez 
or Velasquez. Gosh darn it! Still, I'm still. <laughs> this is your fault, Jacob. I don't care how it long is. it is. Uh, he talked about Nelson Velasquez being a really good right-handed power bat, which is something they really needed. And then MJ Melendez is his other outfielder, and he didn't really have a lot to say about him. He did mention he got better in the second half, which is true. But that, if you're going to upgrade the outfield and you think you've got your center fielder who's passed his test, even if I know we're disappointed in his hitting, but I've told you, as I mentioned kind of before, where I focused on Michael Massey, Kyle Isbell absolutely fits this mold too. He's a guy who can really play some good defense, can't hit great, but if he's your number nine hitter and you filled your lineup with a bunch of other guys who can hit, that's fine. Um, So, yeah, if, if he wants to keep Kyle Isbell, and he wants to keep Nelson Velasquez and Velasquez can keep it up. And he wants to do something about Melendez, trade him, get somebody else in there to try for it. I think that makes sense. Um, and, and I think that's probably the direction they're leaning. Obviously don't know right now whether that will work out or not, but I, that's kind of what I got from what he was saying. Um, and then the last thing I think I really noticed and thought was really interesting was uh, that he was asked if they thought that they had their closer on their roster. Mm. And he said, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Um, and, and James MacArthur, the general pitched very well in September and was closing out games at the end on a regular basis. That was his job, including the final day of the season uh, yeah. with a two inning save. So uh, that's interesting to me that he, he looks at James MacArthur and says, yeah, I don't know if he's our closer now. That may just be, uh, that's a month. He's, he may be saying it's a month of good work. I can't say he's the closer and we're going to go out and see what happens. But, um, I, I still think it was interesting. I, I think Dayton Moore would have said, yeah, James MacArthur's our closer, obviously. Uh, and we'll go out and try and fill in around him, but he's the guy. Um, so to, to be, to insist that there's going to be more competition than that, I think is promising. I was actually very, uh, kind of pleased with this press conference, I know some people were uh, kind of annoyed about him saying that, you know, whatever the payroll is, it's my job to put a winning team on the field. But I don't think he was saying like, don't expect me to do anything about the payroll. He was just saying like, I have my job no matter how much money I'm given and I'm going to do the best job I can. I don't think it was get ready for a bad payroll. Right. Right. I, I had the same takeaway from that, um, from that little quote there. And I feel like that is just to double down on what you said earlier on about actually watching these press conferences. You will you will understand more from his tone and how he delivered that. Mm-hmm. And very much it was uh, emphatic's not the right word. It was very like stern and focused, I guess, is probably yeah. the way that he put that, which which I enjoyed it. Um, I am. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to double down a lot of what you said, unfortunately. So. I was, I was, I was telling, I was telling you this before we started the show. I, I did something different with this press conference. I, it was kind of divided into two segments. It was 40 minutes overall. The last, the latter part was um, almost 30 minutes and Mm -hmm. it was, it was question and answer. It was media asking questions and Piccolo and Quatrero responding. The opening part of that was Piccolo talking. It was there weren't any questions. He was he was talking about what he saw this season, setting kind of setting the table for the off season as well. But I just took that portion, and after watching it through and listening to it, I watched it without any audio, because we all know there 
if if you are any sort of professional, you know, there are different la- layers to communication. You can hear mm-hmm. words coming out of someone's mouth, but, you know, whether it be waving there, it's all body language. Body language is almost as important as what you're actually hearing. Absolutely. And it was a lot of it was a lot of how I feel when I talk about the Royals this this year with someone who is like not you or not someone who is looking at the Royals um, maybe critically is, is the way to put it yeah, like probably. With, a, with a different eye. It's yeah. like, uh, it's, you know, me sitting there crossing my arms and just like, Oh yeah. You know, the Royals, like they, they weren't very good this year and it was, I don't know what we're going to do. And we were last place. And he was, it was very interesting to see that. I don't, Remembering that press conference, I don't know if I saw him smile once. I don't like, think he did. There wasn't. I want to. Maybe I should be emphasizing that a little bit more. I don't feel like there was a whole lot of positive spin in this in this press conference. There were there were some moments like the the Kyle Isbell thing kind of. I wouldn't say rubbed me the wrong way, but. It, it got me feeling some sort of way because you look yeah. at Kyle Isbell over the whole season. It's not very good, but I know for like, he was really, really bad for when he was recovering from injury and just coming back. And then he was, he was pretty solid down the stretch. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But point point is there, they weren't sugarcoating it. They weren't laying it on really thick yeah. with the media members there. And they, and they know they know that this is being broadcast. They know that people are going to watch this. It's not just for the press. So I I appreciated that at least. There, it's oh yeah, absolutely. The, one of my biggest complaints about Dayton Moore is that he always treated people like they were stupid, and yeah. he didn't speak honestly. He spoke in terms of of like everything's fine. Don't worry about the record. They're much better than the record. And even when JJ Piccolo was like, I don't see them as a 106 loss team. He followed that up with, but that's the record. And so that's what we got to live with. Um, mm-hmm. It was just a very different tone from Dayton Moore. I felt like, I feel like it was more respectful of his audience, both media members and fans. Yeah. That's, and that's the, that's the best way to look at it because you got to think I like, I haven't really known a whole lot of people in a Royals uniform other than like Dayton Moore, Ned Yost and Mike Matheny. Like those are the team leaders that I have known for most of my Royals fandom. Yeah. But, and I want to go back to what you were talking about. So Piccolo said, and this is a quote, 106 losses is a difficult thing to take. There were a lot of challenges along the way. That's not what our expectations are. Our expectations are much greater and we accept responsibility for that. Just talking players at the end of the year, I think they are in agreement with us that the performance needs to be better. And I wanted to say that quote in particular because the cloud that was hanging over the 2023 season is what John Sherman said back in June, that this was a season of evaluation, Mm -hmm. that they were evaluating the roster and evaluating processes and things like that. I I am hopeful that this press conference is a shift from evaluation to expectation, to meeting that expectation. Because tr- truth be told, fans just want a competent baseball team. We, we've suffered through the evaluation and we expect reinvigoration of this roster. And 
he he doubled down on there wasn't a whole lot of like oh well you know we're we're gonna go into spring training and we we expect this random triple a player to step up and provide some real competition no on the focus was it was external options like that was the way that they were going to get better and i understand i understand the skepticism about it especially especially with recent years because in recent years there has been someone ready or close to ready to step up into the major league roster as of right now I can't think of a player at triple a that I could say, you know what? That person is going to make the major league roster better next year or any pitcher in the bullpen. You know, I'm, I'm very excited about some guys, especially Will Klein. I'm a huge Will Klein fan. You know that. Yeah. But he's not going to fix the team. And I, I am hopeful that focusing on external options being the solution means that the solution happens. We all he, know. Go for it. Uh, he he didn't just focus on external options. One of the again, I, I maybe this is wrong of me to keep going back to Dayton Moore, but this is like you said, the frame of reference that we have. Um, Dayton Moore often said we when he talked about we expect them to be better. He talked about I we expect these players to perform better. When J.J. Piccolo says we expect to be better, he says he, he's basically admitting it's on the front office to figure that out, whether that's saying, OK, this guy is going to improve, so we're fine, or going out and signing a free agent or going out and making a trade. It was a focus on what he can do to improve the team rather than a focus on, oh, no, the players, it's on the players, they'll figure it out. I'll just sit here and wait. Yeah. Um, and you'll just sit there and wait and you'll see it happen. Um mm-hmm. I, I think it's a huge difference between them um, and should give people a lot of hope. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. And it's another quote that did give me some hope is we're not going to settle. We don't like talking about it in these terms, but when guys have options to be sent to the minor leagues is that's how you should understand that. That's what he means when he says options. We have the opportunity to find players that can beat them out for positions. So if that's mm-hmm. the case, that's the case. He also said something similar when it came to the starting rotation. He was he was up front and talked about, hey, injuries. They made the evaluation. Um, I, I can't remember if he said incomplete or yeah. like it just it didn't provide them the full opportunity they wanted to evaluate these people. But, quote, we're not going to wait any longer. It's unfortunate that we had the injuries, but there will be healthy competition in the starting rotation and yeah. maybe some other faces in the organization. Yeah, that was that might have been my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Because it was for from 2021 after sorry, after the 2021 season and after the 2022 season, those were the messages that we were like, "Oh, well, hey, wait on this 18 crop of pitchers they're you know they're they're the future they're what we're believing in okay jj piccolo just finished his first season i want to emphasize that again his first season Mm -hmm. leading the organization and he's he's saying that they're just gonna the they're gonna move on he's not practicing patience or you know not preaching patience go ahead and and what 
again, to go back to date more, what we saw time and time again yeah. was, oh, well, there were injuries. Uh, they'll be healthy next year. And so we're just going to wait and see how that goes. And, and JJ Piccolo says, well, there were injuries, but we can't just sit and wait. We've mm -hmm. got to keep moving forward with what we do know. And, yep. you know, that's not saying that uh, that Chris Bubich doesn't have a chance at the rotation next year because they're just going to move on from him. What it's saying is we can't just sit here and wait to see if he's going to be healthy. Right. We're going to have to go out and get somebody. And, and you know, maybe Chris Bubich earns a spot uh, in the rotation. Maybe he doesn't. Depends on how hurt he is, when he comes back, all that stuff. I hope yeah. he gets a spot. I think he's worth it. But I also think that you can't. Then Piccolo's right. You can't just sit there and go, well, the evaluation's incomplete. We'll wait another year. You're yep. never going to be complete then. Right. Let's see. I Because I the first guy that came to my mind was Daniel Lynch. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, absolutely. He, he had a he was limited to nine starts this year. Nine like that's that is not enough. I that's like you a can't third. evaluate based on that. Absolutely. No, you you can't. And granted, he was still a, a plus war pitcher. He was he had his moments. He was he was decent. There was I think you can attribute his meltdowns to the injuries because he had that he had like what it was a two hitter against the against the Tigers where he went seven innings and gave up no runs like that. Like that was the start. That was something about Royals lefties and the Tigers. I'm old enough to remember Eric Skoglund and the Tigers. I'm just oh saying. Oh, gosh. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Katie said lefties are always the best <laughs> because she's a lefty. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Checks out. <laughs> um, but he has, if I'm looking at this correct, he has two option years left. Yeah. Like he can, he can be sent down to AAA. A couple of times and he's not arbitration eligible until 2025 like the royals still have plenty of control on some of these players now are they going to send down brady singer to to triple a i don't know if he struggles maybe but some of these guys like i don't i'm gonna look it up right now i don't know if chris bubich has options left he'll probably he'll probably start the next year on the on the il like no matter what his status probably. is he has one option here left yeah, so even he is, even he's a guy who can go down. So there are, and there's plenty of options in the bullpen. Yeah, Not options to pitch, but options to go to the minors. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm I'm optimistic about that. Um, now I know I know you listeners out there, you're probably thinking, well, it's all talk, and truthfully, it it is. It is until they prove us otherwise. Yeah, I, I can't blame anyone who feels that way because yeah. we've we've spent the last decade being gaslit by Dayton Moore. Yeah. So uh, it, it's a perfectly reasonable reaction. Yep. And I am I'm hopeful that Piccolo won over some fans with this press conference. I I really am because there were a lot of and I'm going to have an article up on Kings of Kaufman about it next week because I don't, I don't get the whole calling for Matt Quattrero and JJ Piccolo's jobs. That's, that's not going to accomplish anything except delaying this even further. It, there's a time to call for a manager's jobs and for general manager's job. 
absolutely. There's there's a period of time when you look at them and you go, you're not producing. You got to go. Yeah. But if you fire everybody after every bad season, you have no continuity. Mm -hmm. You have no forward plan, no consistent plan. And you just end up with an even greater mess than you started with. Um, did, was Dayton more here too long? Yes. Yeah. Does J should JJ Piccolo have 10 years to figure it out? No, but we can at least give him two. Yeah. At, at the very least this, we've talked about it before. This off season is going to be very, very important for mm -hmm. the, this front office, whether it be signings, whether it be trades, however that happens. They need to they need to close the gap on this talent deficiency. But that's probably my my favorite term that I've learned in the past year is the Royals are operating at a talent deficiency compared to other MLB squads. Yep. So. And I just want to this isn't part of the press conference, but I just I feel the need to throw this out there again. There were positive signs from the front office's behavior this year. Cole Reagans and James MacArthur where yep. the front office scouting a guy saying, we want that guy. We can make him better mm -hmm. than he is with his current team, getting him and succeeding. Correct. Now, Correct. you can't do that with everybody. You're never going to be able to do that with everybody. The Rays can't do that with everybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mike Myers is an example. Can't do it with everybody. But when you can do it sometimes, at least you're on your path. You're on right. the way to getting somewhere because now you've got Cole Reagans and you got James MacArthur on rookie deals, you barely paid anything for either of them. And you're, you're ready. You're, I mean, that's huge. You've really boosted your talent with offering up almost nothing for it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all right, let's go ahead. We've, we've talked about this long enough, Jeremy. Um, yeah. We will. I'm sure that we're going to see some more responses from this. Um, I would highly, if you still have a subscription to the Kansas City Star, I would highly suggest you go and read Sam McDowell's column on it. Um, it came out at noon on, on Wednesday. Um, definitely, I appreciate and, his tone and approach to it. And KCTV5 has the whole press conference. Yes. You can go watch it there. That's yes. what I did. I really can't recommend it enough. Exactly. I I do agree with that. All right, Jeremy, let's go ahead and move on to what we saw this Sunday, this past Sunday, excuse me. Um, Zach Greinke, he started the season finale for the Kansas City Royals, and uh, he, he spun a gem. It was it was a very, very good performance from him and the Royals as a whole. They they beat the Yankees five to two. They won that series. Excuse me, goodness gracious! They won that series against the Yankees. Um, of I would say a good end to the season, if nothing for seeing Zach Greinke out there again and just beating the Yankees in a in a series. That's always a uh, that's always a good thing for any Royals fan. But Jeremy, I am I'm, I'm going to make something abundantly clear for yeah. us and for the listeners. There is no official word on what Zach Greinke is planning for 2024. We all know how Zach Greinke is. We probably won't know until something official has already happened. And and specifically, Zach Greinke was asked about it and said he had not decided yet. 
Correct. So I get the the standing ovation stuff. The there's nothing for sure right now. He is a free agent. That is that is all we know. We know he is entering. Golly, is is next season going to be his age forty season? I believe so. Oh my gosh! So he is. He will be entering his age forty season after a down year, but. There's nothing official yet. Jeremy, you had some other thoughts on how this progressed last season as well. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm a big proponent, as everyone I think knows, of where there's smoke, there's fire. I think that's a really vital tool uh, to use when analyzing news when it comes to sports, because a lot of times, like I said, you're not going to get a direct answer. Um, and so you got to kind of look at the signs. Nobody's going to say it's on fire. They're, you're just going to see a bunch of smoke and go, hmm. Uh, so last year when Granky, uh, when the season ended, some people were kind of saying, oh, Granky might be done. Granky might be done. And uh, it seemed reasonable. He'd been pitching for a long time. He just came to the Royals for what could have been, you know, one last season. All right. But yeah, he pitched pretty good. And then as the offseason went on, we began to see a lot of that smoke in the form of the Royals are expected to sign Zach Granky to another one-year deal um reports and when you see that much smoke there's usually a fire now this year there's a lot more of that zach grinky is retiring smoke for the last three starts there's been oh this is the last zach grinky whatever um there was also the fact that earlier this year he was really honest about uh you know that it's harder to get guys out now because his stuff has diminished so much and and that at that time we began wondering could he retire in the middle of the season um so i really would be surprised to see him come back next year the other thing is that yeah he was pretty diminished this year a 2 and 15 record an era well over 5 um people are not going to be super interested in giving him guaranteed dollars i don't think the royals have any business giving him guaranteed dollars either so the best he can hope for is a minor league deal with an invitation to spring training does 40 year old zach granke who already has kind of a hall of fame career who has who appears to have a fulfilling family life uh does he need to show up to spring training on a minor league deal with no guarantees i don't think so I would be very surprised to see Zach Greinke come back. If he does, I hope he has all kinds of success, whatever team he ends up going to. Um, but I, I would still be very surprised myself. Yes, I I would as well. Um, I believe Katie has something to add in regards to this. No, I was misreading my wife. I do apologize for that. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying everything we, we were just talking about with JJ Piccolo that actions speak louder than words. Everything mm -hmm. about this past month regarding Zach Greinke on the mound has felt like his last. And we, I'll, I'll fully admit, I'm the one who got us to fall for the, have we seen the last of Zach Greinke in Kauffman Stadium like a week and a <laughs> half ago, okay? I, I got got, it's fine. I tried to project the starter, and lo and behold, Zach Granke cuts a day off his rest to make that start on Sunday. So I I got caught up in that hype. Um, I will say this feels like a very appropriate way if Granke wants to leave. 
because we all know Zach Granke is not one for the spotlight. He's he's one who um, I think the word is shirk. Like he he just shrinks back from it a little bit. Yeah. And we, we all know the oral histories. We all know the stories about Zach Granke and who he is as a person, not as a pitcher, but as a person and how he right. conducts himself. I don't see him being the one to be like Miguel Cabrera and go around and make like a like a final tour, if right. you will. Um, he, I don't that see would be it. miserable for Zach Granke based would. on everything we know about him. Exactly. It would. And there's no like Albert Pujols did the did that thing as well. But he was very upfront about it from the beginning of the season. Like, hey, this this is it. I'm signing one year with St. Louis. I'm going to close it out and be done. It's I just I don't see him doing that. We have we have seen the retirement tour stuff before, um, but out honestly outside of Pujols and Cabrera, I can't think of another player who David has Ortiz. done it. David Ortiz, thank you. So that's that's another one. It's I'm failing to think of I like think that being Derek a Jeter too. Gosh dang it, Jeremy, stop it! I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. All, all that to say, I don't think the retire. Say it one more time, honey. All the players with huge egos. <laughs> I didn't quite catch that. She said, "All the players with huge egos." Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're absolutely guys who thrived in the spotlight, right? Right. Very different from Zach Granke in that regard. Exactly. So I think if it's if it's a quiet thing, it's very understood amongst all the. Um, amongst the Royals fan base that this was it. And that's kind of how that uh, standing ovation felt in Kauffman stadium, which I will, I will say this was a, if that was it, that was a beautiful way for, it, for him it to looked like it was about to be a disaster. For it a did. I it was, did. I was prepared to just be like, Oh no. <laughs> um, but man, like I said, he showed us that magic one more time. He did. He did. And I, I was a proponent of like, oh, he should he should retire while he's like on a high last year because he was yeah, absolutely very, sure he was very I, good. I, there's there's an absolute argument to be made for that for any player. Yeah, but he came back this year, and I know the season stats weren't very promising. But if you look at it game by game, there's I don't I can't think of a much better way for Zach Greinke to say, okay, I'm I'm done after that. I I shut out the opponent again. I got out of a huge jam and just keep it moving. And I don't I don't see him like coming back to baseball just for, you know, the love of the game or anything like that. That guy has to be hurting after years of doing this. And he I'm sorry, he's made a lot of money. He's used to making a lot of money playing baseball. Yeah, he's I mean, what he got even just for this year, he got like 13 million. He was did he get 13 million this year. I know he got that last year. I thought he got less this year. Oh, you, am I? I might be doing the math wrong or I might have my years switched up in my head. Good old spot track will be able to tell me. <laughs> because there was a lot of like he last year. It was we got to attract Zach Greinke to the team. We need to fill this roster spot. And this year it was like, well, wouldn't it be cool to bring him back if he's going to keep pitching? 
So you, you don't offer as much money in that situation. I gotcha. So um, according to Spot Track, his full adjusted salary was $13.3 million. All right, cool. I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Well, no, what he else was, is new? What, what I forgot was him and Chapman both signed really similar deals. It was like a decent amount of money guaranteed, but like half of that or the equivalent of half of that in incentives. Does that make sense? Gotcha. So like he had 8.5 guaranteed, but then he had 4.8. In oh, okay. So that's, that's where I was. I was like, he got less, but it was the incentives that made the difference. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep, exactly. So it's not a bit uh, very strong incentives. No, no offense to Zach Granke. I, I imagine they were bulk based incentives amount amount of innings pitched batters faced however you want to look at that but i haven't read his contract so i'm not going to speculate too much on that so going sorry no you're fine you're fine going from one royals legend to another we do want to remind you that salvador perez is the royals nominee for the roberto clemente award now if you are wondering what the roberto clemente award is I'll I can describe it as it's kind of the MLB equivalent of the Walter Payton man of the year award. Um, You might know what that is, but what it does is this award annually recognizes the MLB player who best represents the game through extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, and positive contributions, both on and off the field. And Mr. Perez is the, uh, is the pick for the Royals, it's uh, it's hard to it's hard to go against that. I will say his uh, his on field performance might not have been great this year, but he is. Um, I mean, he's done a lot off the field. We know how much of a positive influence he is on people around him, and that's it. Seems like is not all that common amongst baseball players. So, <laughs> if um, if you need more reason to vote for Perez. He is partnered with Braden's Hope for Childhood Cancer. Um, he goes and it's, it says he gives and receives inspiration from kids fighting pediatric cancer. Um, also, he is a known best friend of Sarah Olson, who is a uh, Kansas City police officer who is fighting ALS. So that is um, if you've. If you've around, if you have been around Kaufman at all this year, I imagine you've seen Sarah once or twice. So Salvi is very much around her and in her life as well. So I would suggest go go vote for for Salvi. He's um, he. I can't say anything bad about the man's character. I haven't heard a bad word about the man's character at all, and I can't in good conscience endorse him for a Gold Glove or a Silver Slugger. So Roberto Clemente Award doesn't sound like a bad consolation to me. Jeremy, were you going to say something? I'm sorry, man. I, I, you know, I was thinking about trying to make a, a jibe about, oh, he paints his fingernails. That's a sign of moral iniquity. But uh, I don't <laughs> obviously believe that. So, <laughs> yeah, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't be plugging that out there. Come on now, man. Well, hey. So I've, I feel like this is kind of ending the show on a down note, but we do, uh, we do have to talk about it. Um, Tim, Tim Wakefield, man. Tim Wakefield. Yep. So Tim Wakefield, I was, oh man, I was, I would have been six years old 
when um oh, when he was pitching in the 2003 playoffs why and why do you have to make me feel so old you're you're welcome jeremy you're you're very much welcome so that means it, i was watching baseball before you were alive <laughs> yes exactly hold on katie has something to say say it again one more time katie i was seven katie was Thanks, seven. katie that makes <laughs> me feel a lot better <laughs> Did you catch that, Jeremy? She just no, wants to make, she just wants to make me feel bad for being younger. Oh, okay. You know, because Fair my my I wife is a, too. my wife is a known supporter of the patriarchy, so she obviously believes that the man should be older than the than the woman oh, in the relationship. No. That's yeah. what I'm getting from this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was all sarcasm, by the way, folks. Please, uh, <laughs> please <laughs> know that. Um. All right, so Wakefield kind of came back into um, the national spotlight, un- unfortunately, um, with Kurt Schilling's statements, and that tool. Has, that has left that left a very very bad taste in everyone's mouth. But unfortunately, um, this past Sunday he passed away. The Red Sox announced his death in a statement on that day. Um, Wakefield had brain brain cancer. Um, the Red Sox did confirm that illness um, because Wakefield had requested privacy regarding the whole thing. That is whenever an illness, a disability or anything in between comes up and someone requests privacy, you you kind of respect that. Like that's a that's a human moral thing. And um, unfortunately, Kurt Schilling does not have those. <laughs> So it is, yeah, it was, it, it, it was very sad to, to hear about him, him passing away. I don't, I don't know why I always have like a soft spot for ball players passing away because usually it seems, usually it seems too soon. Yeah. Um, I, he was only 59. So it was absolutely too soon. Yeah. That it was. And it was. The guy, the, the guy had an amazing story, probably one of the best so- stories of the 2000s in it, baseball. Go ahead. He was, I mean, he was part of my childhood because I'm not a baby like you. <laughs> um, just, and he was always, the, the great thing was as a knuckleballer and as like the last knuckleballer, really, mm-hmm. um, he just got a lot of attention for that. Um, so he was, he's always sparking the imagination. Yeah. Like anybody can be a pitcher if they can be a knuckleballer. Right. It was kind of the, this idea that you don't have to throw hard if you throw knuckleball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just like the way they talked about it, how they, the knuckleball floats to the plate. It's so poetic. It's yeah. just like, I want more knuckleballers just because man talking about knuckleballs is fun. It is. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw George Kirby apparently threw a nasty knuckle knuckleball. <laughs> Why is it so hard to say all of a sudden? Uh, he threw a nasty one in tribute to Tim Wakefield uh, the wow. day after he passed, uh, which That's I thought cool. was really cool. Yeah, uh, that I that that should restore everyone's faith in in Kirby that was lost when he was like, I shouldn't have been pitching in whatever inning it was. Yeah. Um, because he, he shouldn't have been. I just he shouldn't have been. No. Anyway, um, Tim Wakefield. Uh, I just wanted to share. I'm, I'm 
wanted to share a couple stories that just yeah. things that I remembered about him. Um, I remember Mike Sweeney uh, developing a whole separate uh, batting stance and approach at the plate for dealing with the knuckleball. Cause it comes in so much slower than other pitches. He added this massive leg kick to slow his timing down. And he only used that for Tim Wakefield. And that just like, if you have a pitch that makes guys invent whole new batting stances and timing and, and plans for you to pitch just you, that's, I mean, that's something else. Right. Um, and I also remember, I cannot remember which player it was, but there was a switch hitter uh, who played for the Royals at one point who always batted against Wakefield right-handed, even though Wakefield was a righty. He says, he said as a lefty, he saw the knuckleball so much worse than he did as a righty. Um, so that was, it was always just a weird little thing. And, and like, just, I worry sometimes that MLB has gotten to this place where velocity is king. And I get it. 103 miles per hour is harder to hit than 93. But I, I have always had and always will have a soft spot for pitchers who can make the ball dance, who can make it do incredible things with movement, which is a lot easier to do when you're throwing it at a lower velocity. Um, the guys who could throw it 103 and make it dart two feet to the left are just unreal. They're video games. Um, but so I, I really would love to see more knuckleballers come out of the woodwork just because I, seeing guys have success in different ways is just a lot of fun. It's why I rooted for guys like Mike Moustakis and Michael Massey. Uh, they're they're just guys who do things a little bit differently from how you expect people to do them, and I want to I want to see them have success. Yeah. But um, Tim Wakefield, even though he was never a Royal, was a big part of my baseball uh, infancy, my baseball youth, um, and and I'm gonna miss the guy. Apparently, he was a really good guy too. Um, was known for his community outreach out in Boston. So yeah, he, he won uh, the Roberto he, Clemente award back in 2010 and was the Red Sox nominee I, seven times. I thought that he had won it, but I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he, he he's going to be missed by yeah. a lot of people. Um. And he really did impact not just baseball, but the world in a positive way. And I think that's the best you can ever hope for. I, I fully agree. If you um if you want to read up a little bit more on um, Tim Wakefield and just his impact in in the baseball circle and just in the world, um, the Boston Globe had a very good article that they put out in regards to that. Also, I don't say this very often, but ESPN's piece was pretty decent on him. Um, it was your they had like a bunch of quotes, of course, just people, you know, offering condolences and reacting to the news and things like that. And it just goes to show like how far he reached and how people who were close to him are still like in the game and still very prevalent figures in the game. Um, so I I highly suggest if you want to learn more about Tim Wakefield and just hear more about the reaction to it, please I suggest those two pieces. Um, he's, I'm still yet to walk over to YouTube and look up some highlights. I should certainly do that. Do you walk to YouTube? I do. Where is, 
I Where do is YouTube to you? That's um, um YouTube is down different. on the second floor, is is what I recall. Uh, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm I'm, kidding. I'm a little concerned, but uh sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, hey, I'm uh I'm gonna put my lovely wife on the spot here and ask her, hey honey, do you have a review? She's thinking. She's still thinking. <laughs> Does she have a review? This is great radio. As it should be. She has a review, folks. Oh. <laughs> well, hey, Jeremy, by the way, we're going to do a uh, Royals reviews reviews. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll definitely have one. <laughs> You'll definitely any, have one. any second okay. now. I love it. Well, hey, then we're going to put Kate. We're going to put honey on the spot to start off. Um Honey, could you please give us a quick review for this episode? Uh, what did I review last time? What did, what did you review last she time? She reviewed the Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Oh, that's right. right. Uh, romance, okay, so, relationship, whatever. Uh, it's spooky season. If you know anything about me in real life, which your viewers don't, but the two of you do, I am the queen of all things spooky 24-7, 365. So I'm a massive horror movie plan fan um my favorite of all being let's see if my husband gets it right scream yes so um ghostface is the second love of my life um and i marathoned all six scream movies uh last week because uh, they're they're genuinely comfort films to me i love them um and i just there have been some requels and reboots that have been flops. Um, and I cannot stress enough how much Scream 5, which came out in 2022, the first of the requels that they've done, um, is not a flop. Uh, not only is it phenomenally well done and well casted, um, with the killer being a twist that you don't particularly see coming, the amount of nostalgic Easter eggs and nuanced nods to the original film uh, within that film itself is just a cornucopia. Um, it's it's a cinephile's like dream. Um, I mean, there is a scene that they've recreated where one of the characters is sitting watching a horror film and yelling about like how the person should look behind them, just like Randy does in the original film. And the killer is coming up behind them, just like in the original film. It is phenomenally, phenomenally done. Um, it was not a flop at all. Um, the sixth one, I'd say is maybe a little bit more cheesy um, in terms of like plot line for who the killer is, but also still really well done. But um, if you are a movie fan like I am and a slasher flick fan. Um, the the requel of Scream from 2022 is an absolute must watch. All right. Well, thank you very much, honey, for uh, for the review. I, I do appreciate it. Um, I am I'm going to go ahead and out myself and get myself into uh, trouble 
with Honey for my review today because I'm uh, I'm up in Maryland. I'm up at school, and the school here has a pretty uh, pretty entertainment heavy library. It's not really one for studying. It's more for like, hey, we want you to we want you to not be getting into trouble outside of school hours. So we're going to give you things to read and to watch. And I was very surprised when they had the new Insidious movie in uh in the library yep honey's flipping me off right now um they uh they had the new insidious movie insidious the red door which was um i was surprisingly good with <laughs> she just called me a traitor goodness honey i will i will check it out again just for this weekend so you we can watch it again how's that sound no yes okay um so insidious is i always i used to get it confused with the conjuring because it had like the same people in it and it started around the same time um very very good series i think for for what it is um but they had kind of the last movie kind of left it close-ended um but i think his name is patrick wilson is the is the main guy in that um in the franchise hold on let me look up a picture of him just to be safe all in all if you have thank you honey so patrick wilson this is his directorial debut as well and he's still like the main star in the in the film um pretty big time jump if you have been following along with the insidious movies you are going to you're going to enjoy this this definitely like wraps up everything into a nice little pretty bow except the story is a little different the setting is very different and I think they they asked me to give a review of it. I gave it like three and a half out of five stars. Like it's 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 a horror movie. It's or it is a modern sequel horror movie, which does not have the greatest track record, it seems. Um, And that's that's okay. But it felt like every it wasn't jump scare heavy. Every scare like had a reason or everything scary about it had a purpose. Jump scares are cheap as heck. They and are. I hate them. Exactly. And I I enjoyed Right. And Katie Katie is plugging Scream some more saying that the only well-done jump scare movies are Scream movies. <laughs> All right. I never would have thought of that, but so I enjoyed it. If you have, if you've been following along with the insidious movies, please go check it out. If this is the first one in the series that you're picking up, please don't, you're not going to understand a good portion of it. So um, don't, don't give yourself that headache. Jeremy, what is your review for tonight? So I, I there's a theme here, right? And yeah. uh, I don't watch horror movies because I <laughs> don't do jump scares. Don't care how well done they are. True. Um, and I don't do gore. Uh, makes me sick. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm gonna have to break the theme a little bit, but Ooh. I'm gonna try my best, and I'm gonna give you a horror video game. Ooh, okay. okay. I'm going to give you Doki Doki Literature Club. Okay. You ever heard of Doki Doki Literature Club, Jacob? I have not. No. All right. Fair enough. So <laughs> they actually just re-released it this year for modern consoles. Uh, if you wanted to play it, you could do it that way. How I played it uh, a few years ago was I downloaded it for free off of itch.io. 
um, which is <laughs> it's a great website for getting free games. Um, and Doki Doki Literature Club might be one of the best that's out there. So uh, for those of you who are not familiar with it, uh, it is a visual novel style game uh, with kind of anime art. The music is phenomenal, which makes sense because the developer has a music first background. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's basically about this high school student who gets dragged to his school's literature club uh, by his next door neighbor who kind of has a crush on him. And he meets these uh, three other girls um, and it plays out kind of as you would expect a generic uh, visual novel to play out. You're supposed <laughs> to, you know, pick a girl that's your favorite and then you tell her you like her poetry the best and on and on and on. And uh, then uh, the horror starts. And I'm not going to tell you what the horror is because I think it's really key to your enjoyment that you not know what's coming uh, before it starts coming at you. Uh, But I did know going into it that I was, it was going to be a horror game. And so I was amped up for anything to be the horror the entire time I was playing, uh, which really, I think, added to my enjoyment of it. I also uh, just, for those who might be curious, I did... I actually played this as part of a Halloween theme for my Twitch stream back in my okay. Twitch streaming days, which are sadly far behind me now. Um, and I had a really good time playing that with everybody. So if you can play it with friends, I think it's absolutely worth it uh, to do so. Um, and if you don't want to play it, but you want to consume it another way, I did save that uh, that playthrough of mine on my YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, so you can go check that out. Watch me scream like a small child um, and uh, generally have a good time doing that. I absolutely recommend it. It is so much fun, even as a person who does not really care for horror. Awesome. I, I love to hear it. All right, y'all. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for the reviews. I like it. I always love a good theme. We are uh, we are. It is definitely October. OK, it is all about the spooky time and i'm i'm here for it i am curious which series katie is going to get into next but definitely this weekend when she is up we will be watching insidious together all right jeremy any uh closing thoughts or rude noises before we get out of here no i got nothing today sorry wow wow okay well that is the disappointment all righty, y'all. Hey, we could not do this podcast without Royals Review. So please, if you are uh, trying to stay upda- updated on all things Royals, if you want to go take a stab at writing yourself, I will I will say that both Jeremy and I, we got our starts out of the fan posts for an SB Nation site. So if and you go for it. I just want to throw out there that if you do it for Royals Review, Max absolutely reads those. And he throws up any of them that are that are even halfway decent because I know my early writing was not perfect. Uh, <laughs> he'll throw them up on the front page, and you'll get lots of people reading them and commenting on them. So yep. it's it's a great way to go if you're just like I want some feedback on my writing and I I want to uh, have conversations with people. Do it. Just go do it. Exactly. That uh that first step is always the hardest one to take. I cannot suggest it anymore. I probably wouldn't be sitting here without royals review or in my in my case it would be arrowhead pride that's where i got started with the fan posts but for for right now you can stay up to date with them on twitter and on facebook 
you can go register for your own account so you can comment and write and connect with other Royals fans on RoyalsReview.com. But thank you so much for listening to us. You can stay updated with us in our Twitter links below. But most importantly of all, follow the podcast itself at Royal Rundown Pod on Twitter and on TikTok. We are getting the TikTok up and going. We are we're on there quite a bit. So we're not getting stagnant. Please go check it out. It is very much worth your while. But from everyone here at the podcast and from myself, Jake Milham, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. And until next time, go Royals.